I, I really look forward to my Sundays coming together with everybody here, worshiping God in the house of God. Um, it, it's a good, it's a good place to be. How many know that the house of God is a good place to be? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Look at your neighbor. Come on, let's interact a little bit. Look at your neighbor and tell him you are in the right place. Tell him. Now look to the other neighbor and say you too are in the right place. That's right. You are. You're in the right, right place. You know, for those of you that were here, I think it was three weeks ago already, Pastor Heather, she brought a, a powerful message talking about advancing with presence. She spoke about advancing with presence and she wrote, she read, sorry, from a scripture in Exodus uh, 33, 12 through, I think like 19 is what she read. And today we're going to read the same. We're going to read the same scripture, um, but we're going to have a different application. How many know that the word has several different applications for the same portion of scripture, amen? So we're going to read the same portion of scripture and I'd ask that you go there. We're not putting a cheat sheet up on the board today, so you need to either turn your phones on, you need to get in your Bible. Not many times are you going to be told to get on your phones during church, but right now is one. If you have the Bible app on there, get on it and go to Exodus 33, and we're going to read from 12 to 18, and you can shout an amen when you're there. Amen. I said shout an amen. amen. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Cool. All right, so today we're going to be talking about advancing, as most of you know, that is the theme for the year, moving forward, pressing on, breaking through, advancing. And today we're going to talk about advancing with expectation. Um, it's something that's been very dear and near to my heart as of late. You know, I, I've heard many preachers say it, and I've been in the shoes before, where I feel like God ministers to me the word first, and, and the word that he gives to me is the word that he wants to share with the congregation. And this is a word that God has been really, really ministering in my heart for at least the past month. But I would push it and probably say since the end of last year, this is something that God has really been ministering to me, um, activating or, or advancing with expectation. And we're going to talk about that, like I said today. I was giving you guys a little bit more chance to get there. So we are on Exodus 33, and we're going to read from 12 to 18. And I'll read it. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. So it says the following, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. How many want to hear that from God? Jeez. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That, that right there is a sermon in itself. Then on 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. What a prayer, my friends. You know, when I read that portion of scripture, I, I, I see relationship. I don't see a guy that just came to God 
out of nowhere and started asking for things. I mean, the portion of scripture itself does say, you have been telling me. Moses starts off by talking to God and saying, you have been telling me. Does that happen on a first conversation? No. When you say somebody, you have been telling me, or how, how many of you work in an office setting, per my last email, right? Like, you have been telling me. That, that speaks of relationship. That speaks not of a, of a formal type of relationship, but it speaks of an intimate relationship. Moses was at a place with God where he would go to God continually. He would go to God often. He would go to God on a regular basis. He'd come to God and, and, and share with him, have that intimacy. You know, I think about it like, I, I know when I come home from work, right, after a long day of work, my son comes running to me. He gives me a big O and he wants me to sit down. He wants me to play with him. He wants me to roughhouse with him. He wants me to have that closeness with him. And that's the way I see Moses' relationship with his God, with his father, is that one of intimacy, like that son that's sitting on daddy's lap and just being able to share and just have have a good time together and just conversing of that closeness. Moses had intimate relationship with God. And one thing that's interesting is that when we start looking at relationships, when we start looking at intimacy, when we start looking at closeness in relationships, my observation is that closeness, that intimacy tends to breed expectation. You know, I, I realize when I look at my life and when I look at my relationships, you know, I have circles of friends, right? I have layers of friends. And those that are closest to me are the ones of whom I have the highest and greatest expectations. You know, when I look at my relationship with my parents, when I look at my relationship with my spouse, when I look at those close ones, there's a certain level of expectation. I expect certain things from them the same way they expect certain things from me. Because we have that closeness, there is that layer of expectation. It's not just a relationship that's in vain, but there's that mutuality connected into it, which is an interesting concept. You know, and, and I gotta say, I was once in a position like Moses. Some of you know that I, I lived, and some of you might be like, this story again? Yes, this story again. Um, I, I, was, I lived overseas in Guatemala for eight years. I was the director of a residential treatment facility. It was a Christ-based program where we helped men with problems with substance use, addiction, and things of that nature. Um, I was there, like I said, for eight years. I myself came out of that lifestyle. And I remember when I was transitioning from Coming out of my process of what I call restoration, some call it treatment, I call it restoration. When I was coming out of my process of restoration and I was facing the challenge of what I was to do, I remember I was faced with a couple different choices, a couple different obstacles, and one of the choices was going, going to Guatemala to start up this program. And man, I had an internal struggle. I had a fight going on. I wasn't sure if this was really what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if it was God's will for my life. I've known for myself, for Chris Ayende, that the safest place to be is in the smack dab in the center of God's perfect will. Because when I start getting out of that, things get a little shady for me. So I like to make sure that I am right in the middle of God's will. And when I was in this point in my life and I was talking to God, I was like, God, what is your will for my life? What, is, what, what do you want of me? What am I to do? What should my next step be? What's this process going to look like? I had a lot of questions. I was facing a huge transition. I had expectations of God. I had expectations 
situations that I'm going to move forward, but God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me the way. I need you to guide me. I need you to walk with me. I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do this on my own. I need you to walk with me on this path that I call life. So as I was having that conversation with God, just like I'm telling you right now, I remember God speaking to me. And what he spoke to me was pretty much what he was speaking to Moses in this portion of scripture. And the word was, Chris, I'm going to be with you. I'm sending you, so I'm going to be with you. And let me tell you, my friends, I have never had more peace than when God tells me, I will be with you. Those words to me just give me that at ease. Just allow me to breathe easier. Because again, like I said, I know that on my own volition, on my own accord, I think thoughts. But God keeps me centered. God keeps me focused. And if he is with me, if he is for me, come on, what's the Bible say? Who could be against me? So that is a very, very good place to be. And I'll tell you what, when God did say, he's like, Chris, I will be with you. I will walk with you. I will go before you. That peace led me to live the next eight years in kind of a funny situation. It was kind of a funny, because I had expectations now of God. You know, I had an expectation of him to speak to me, of him to be with me. But since he did tell me I'll be with you, I expected that. I expected it, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I, you know, I, I believe that we should have this expectation. And I'll tell you what, living a life of expectation saw me to see God move in so many ways. So many ways. I mean, those eight years, I feel like one of those old people that are like, you know, when I was young, back in the day. And, that, and, and I feel like that because when I was there in Guatemala for those eight years, man, I saw God move in some mighty ways. I saw men get pulled out of the grasp of addiction. I've seen families restored. I've seen, I, you know, men that for so long their family had been disintegrated because of alcohol, because of substance use. And then all of a sudden as they're completing their program, as they're moving forward, I see these same men be restored into their family. Little kids who before alienated their parents or their dad would then come and like hug dad, embrace him. And you could see that being mended. You could see that restoration. And it was such a beautiful thing. I had the experience where I was able to go into elementary schools and talk to young kids who were at risk and starting to experience some of these things in their life and just be able to tell them about the goodness of God in public schools. Be able to tell them about the goodness of God and how he restores life and how God has so much more for them. And I saw God move in such a mighty way and that has continued not just in those eight years but in my life ever since. And I gotta say that a lot of it has to do because of that expectation, that intimacy with God, that intimacy for God's presence. When we start to look at this story, when we start to examine what Moses was conversing with God and we start to really dissect it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a hidden gem. It's, it's right there in our face that what Moses was expecting from God was his presence. That's what Moses wanted. Moses wanted nothing else but God's presence in his life. I asked myself the question, am I there? I ask you the question, are you there? Are we in a place where our expectation, where that thing which we desire the most is God's presence in our life, is God's continual 
presence in our life? And that, that's, a big, that's a big question to ask ourselves. And I got to say, I, I believe the answer for my life is yes. I want more of God in my life. I want to be able to just walk hand in hand with him throughout the ups and downs of this crazy adventure that we call life. When we look at Moses in this portion of scripture, Moses wanted to be sure that wherever he went, that whatever he was doing, God's presence was there. That God's presence was there. I don't know about you, but Chris's life, B.C., before Christ, I didn't necessarily want people with me everywhere I was going. I was going to less than great places. But man, as I'm walking in Jesus, as I'm walking in God, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, whatever circumstance, whatever decision I'm going to be making, that God is active, that he is in that decision, that he is right in the midst of it. Like I said earlier, I want to make sure that I am in God's perfect will. You know, I was having a conversation with a, with a friend the other day, and it was, um, it was a good, good conversation. And we were talking about the ups and downs of life. We were talking about tendencies that we have sometimes as Christians. And when I say we, I mean the church at large. And some of the tendencies are, you know, when things are rough, we come, we come to God. We come, you know, begging for his intervention. We come praying. We come pleading. We come clamoring to Jesus for him to do something in the midst of our situation. But tendency sometimes is that when things start to get better, when we see God's intervention in our life, then what do we say sometimes? God, you're awesome. Thank you for what you did. You saved me. But I got it from here. I got it. I got it. And we were talking about that, how that, that tends to be... It's a, it's a tendency. It's an unfortunate tendency, but it is a tendency. And, and how we can break that in our lives, you know, like, like what, what steps we can take, what kind, of, what kind of, what can we do to break that in our lives? And it's a confronting question to ask ourselves because I, I'm sure we've all been there. I know that I've been there in my life, you know, that when things are going rough, I get closer to God, but then when things are okay, you know, maybe I start backing away, not intentionally, but it happens. It's a, it's a, it's a real thing, you know, and one thing that's kept me centered in my walk, I've been, I've been saved now, I think, for 13 years walking in Jesus, and one of the things that has really kept me is Matthew 6, 33. You know, God's promises are yes, God's promises are amen, and Matthew 6, 33 says something that I love, and it says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I'm going to read that again. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You know, God in his word has promised to supply all our needs, but there's a caveat. And it's the first part of that. What's the first part say? Let's say it again. You're right. That's, that's the right answer. Let's just say it again. What's it say? Seek. That's right. Seek. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, so another version says, and all his righteousness, and all of these things will be added on to you, is what another version says. God says, seek first the kingdom of God. He's promised to supply all our needs, my friends. As we're moving forward, as we're advancing, as we're pushing, pushing forth this year, 2019, I want to I encourage you to push forth into the kingdom. To push forth seeking God. 
All of the other things, all those things that we desire, God knows the desires of our heart. God knows those things which we long for. And he has said, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and I will give you all you need. He's, he's promised. He's promised to supply all our needs. He's promised not to leave us high and dry. He's promised to be there with us, never to leave us, never to forsake us. Now I want to talk a little bit about living a life of expectation. You know, how many, how many know that it's not an easy thing to do? And, and I got to say, it doesn't even sound maybe that all that great when we start thinking about expectations. You know, when I start thinking about it, I, I maybe start thinking about my parents and how they sometimes put all of these huge expectations on my life. I start maybe thinking about my spouse or my teacher having put unfair expectations on me. And maybe that has a negative connotation in our mind. But how many know that God is not unjust? God's ways are greater than our way. God's ways are, are better than our ways. The Bible talks about this over and over. I mean, in Hebrews 6.10, it does say flat out, God is not unjust. You know, and in Jeremiah 29.11, it says, for I know the plans I have. I know everybody here knows that scripture. Come on, let's say it together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and to give you a future. I want to talk about living a life of expectations. What do we expect from God? What do we expect when we come to church? What do we expect in our walk as we're moving forward? You know, I, I, wanna, I want us to start setting expectations of our relationship with the Lord. You know, that we come to church with expectations. I know that I'm one before as I'm getting the kids ready and I'm coming to church. My wife has usually got some, some Spanish Christian music on and we're jamming out. We're usually on the way to church. We're praying. We're listening to some worship music and we're trying to get into that atmosphere of worship. We're coming with expectation. When I come to worship here together with everybody and I'm in front here praying worshiping God. My eyes are closed and I'm just trying to connect with God because I need him to show up in my life. I need him to show up right here for the sake of myself and for the sake of all of us here. I need to hear from God. I want him to see my sacrifice of worship. I want to have that intimacy when we come to, together here at church. I want to I wanna be able to hear from him. I come expecting. How many come expecting when they come to church? Yeah. I come expecting a word from God but I I also come willing to give. I also come willing to give it all, to lay my life as a sacrifice here on, on the altar. I come to worship God, not worrying about what my neighbor might think, forgetting about the beans that I got in the pressure cooker at home, on the pot, in the stove. I forget about all, that's right, I forget about all of that. And I just, I'm just here to worship. I'm just here to lift my hands up. How many can lift their hands today and just give glory to God? How many can close their eyes right now, just lift their hands up and say, Jesus, we worship you. My God, we love you, Lord. We're here and we want to hear from you, Jesus. We pray that you move in this place, Holy Spirit. We have expectation, my God. We give our life as a sacrifice, Lord. We know that we... We are here for you, Jesus. We're seeking your face, God, and we want you to show up, show off, and move in our lives. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Come on, it's okay. You can talk to your God right now. You can tell him, move in your life, my God. Move in this place. Holy Spirit, stir 
stir this place right now. I pray that you shake this place at its foundations. Hallelujah. We worship you, my God. We magnify you in this place. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Living a life of expectation, my friends, will change your perspective. It will change your relationship. It has the power to transform everything that you do. When we pray, how should we pray? With expectation. I know that when I pray, I wa- I'm believing that God hears my prayers. Yes. I'm believing that my prayers are not resounding symbols. I'm believing that they are a sweet-smelling aroma to God, like the Bible says yes. that they are. I know because of my relationship with Him that He hears my prayer. And again, I liken it to the relationship of me with my sons. That they come to me. They want to sit on my laps. They want to touch me. They want to smell me. They want to be close to me. They want to hold my hand. And I pray that be the way it is with us and our God. That we want to have that. That we want to draw near to them, to God and, and put our head on his chest. That we just want to smell his aroma. That we just want to touch him. That we, want to, we just want to be with him. Just spending that time with him is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Being able to have that expectation of him showing up when we're in the midst of our prayer time is a powerful, powerful realization. When we pray, my friends, let's pray with that expectation, knowing that God is there and that he hears our words. When we read the word, how should we read it? Are you seeing a trend? Yes. We should read it with expectation. Knowing that God's word does not change. We can stand on it. We can count on it. We can believe it to be true. We know that God speaks through his word. We know that his word is live. I mean, Jesus even says, you know, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Nothing else existed but the word. The word has always been and the word will always be. We can take that to the bank, my friends. In a world of so much uncertainty, in a world of so much up and down, so much turmoil, we can bet on the Bible. We can count on it. The Bible does not change. His word is true. We got to believe that God is going to speak to us. Have that expectation as we're reading the word that God will speak. At the end of the day, I think my whole message centers around the fact of intimacy. The fact of intimacy. And that's what God has really been ministering to my heart as of late. As I've been praying to him, he's been, Chris, I want to get to know you better. Chris, seek after me more. I've got so much more for you. Just that, that continual pushing on, striving for more. The fact that we haven't gotten there, but there's so much more. There's so much more that we could push on and get closer in our relationship with God. That's something that he's really been moving in me lately. Chris, seek me more. Come after me more. I want to get to know you that much more. And, and it's a beautiful thing, you know, hearing those words from God, that God wants to have that intimacy with me. And it's something that I've been striving more and more on uh, lately, just to get closer and closer with God. You know, when we look at Moses, when we look at that portion of Scripture, we see that this is a man that had intimacy with God. He would approach God with closeness. He would approach God in a way 
that is just, to me, beautiful, you know? When we look at his relationship, when we look at the fact that he has the confidence to tell God, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us. Don't send us up from here. How will anybody know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? You know? And then in verse 18, after God responds and says, okay, Moses, I'll do as you asked, that he would have the audacity to take it a step further and say, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. And for those of you that have read that portion of scripture, you know that God does just that. God does just that. Puts him on the rock. Puts him on the rock that is Jesus and comes by. Doesn't let him see his face because the Bible says that anybody who sees the face of God can't live. But he does show Moses his glory. And for those of you that have read, if you haven't, go home and read it. We'll see that his presence, God's glory, completely transformed Moses. Completely changed him. Had him shining bright. Had him in a complete change because God's presence does that. God's presence changes us. I want to say as we're going forward, my friends, as we're advancing in 2019, as we're going forward in every aspect of our life, family, business, ministry, let's advance with that expectation. Let's not put God in a silo. Let's not put God in the church silo, in the church column. Let's have God integrated into every part of our lives. Jesus wants to walk in with us in every part of our lives. He doesn't want to be put in a box in just one section of our lives. But he wants to be with us in every aspect of our lives. And let's walk in closeness with God. In that intimacy. In that intimacy with our creator. As everybody stands, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And I want us to think about where we are today. I want us to consider our relationship with Jesus. It's okay to close your eyes. Helps me focus. I'd invite you to just consider your relationship with God. Consider how your intimacy with Him has been. You know, when we start thinking about our worldly relationships, I know that a big, a big factor in breeding that closeness is time spent together. We discussed three things that we can do to t spend time with God. But I want you to think back on your life. How is your closeness with God right now?